Hey everybody, this is Juan Martinez of the Isabel Network, and welcome to the Isabel Minute for Tuesday, August 28th, 2018. So the big news out of the NBA is the announcement of Mata Ginobili's retirement after 16 amazing seasons. That includes four NBA championships, a couple all-star appearances, I'm sure a six-man of the year award there somewhere. And it's sure to be a first ballot Hall of Fame career when all is said and done. He has been one of the most exciting players to watch uh, in the time that he was around, especially during those mid-2000s when the Spurs were the epitome of the right way to play basketball, but also like a plodding and boring way to play basketball. Uh, Ginobili was the breath of fresh air uh, with his zero step and the way that he was slash through the lane and just, you know, slam it home and just bang it against like some of the bigger defenders in the league. Like there was just few things fun, more fun than watching Ginobili just dunk it on somebody. And he was just fun to watch. He was just a joy to behold. And even though he was mostly a sixth man during like his run with the Spurs, he, he was just every bit as important as Tim Duncan and Tony Parker, you know, his big three cohorts. And if you look at like the response from the league today, I mean, it's just an outpouring of love and support and just appreciation for all that he's done and the influence that he has had in the game. And you see a lot of players now use their Euro step to like maximum efficiency. And Ginobili was really the, the first one or at least one of the first to really popularize the move in the league. And you see guys like James Harden now really like master that move and just turn it into just a devastating weapon and just evolve it from what Ginobili used to do. But more than anything, he's just a good guy. I, I've never heard a bad thing about him. He was seemed like such an ambassador to the game and he represented Argentina well, even winning a gold medal in the Olympics for crying out loud. I mean, the guy has such an amazing list of accomplishments that it's hard to really argue with his, you know, Hall of Fame credentials. I mean, he's definitely more of a worthy Hall of Famer than guys like Chris Webber or, dare I say, Reggie Miller, who's already in the Hall of Fame. Yes, I'm still bitter with the whole Reggie thing. But anyways, uh, you know, Ginobili was just a fun guy to watch, and he was just just a treat. And I remember uh, in the 2013, I think it was the NBA Finals against the Miami Heat, where he had kind of had like a couple of bum games and, you know, people were kind of like saying, you know, he was past his prime. It's time to hang it up and all that stuff. But he played a couple more years and even got another championship on the way out. And just want to say thanks to Manu because few players were just more fun to watch than Ginobili. And I, you know, it's hard for me to think of a lot, you know, like maybe a handful but he's definitely up there as one of the most exciting players of the past 20 or so years. And definitely, I can't wait to see him be enshrined in the Hall of Fame as the first ballot you know, Hall of Famer for all of his contributions, not just to the NBA, but on the international stage as well. And he made those Argentina basketball jerseys look so damn cool. <laughs> oh, man, like it was just always neat to watch him and guys like Luis Scola and those guys like really play on the big stage. And it was just a joy. To see that international basketball was alive and well, especially in a place like Argentina, which he didn't expect at the time. But, you know, he was part of that golden era for that for that club. And it's just it's a bummer. It's a shame that it's like it feels like really an end of an era. And now that Parker's with the uh, the Charlotte Hornets and Tim Duncan's already been retired for two years. It's really and Kawhi Leonard's gone. Seems like, you know, times are changing and, you know, it's just a different time now in San Antonio. I mean, Pop's still there. I think that's going to be the saddest one of them all when Pops decides to, like, you know, retire. That might be the one that kind of makes me sad the most. But Ginobili's up there, too, in the sadness rankings because 
you know, I'm going to miss those days when he just Euro stepped somebody or, you know, pulled off a slick no look pass or his, you know, shoe exploded or he knocked a bat off <laughs> a literal bat, you know, out of flying into like, you know, kill, probably kill it. I think he killed that bat. And, you know, there was also like in sneaker moments, uh, you know, he was like famous for wearing all sorts of different Nike signature shoes uh, he wore the KDs, and famously, he wore the Nike LeBron 11s more than anybody else, even LeBron. Uh, the 11 was, I think, I think that was a shoe that was famously the one that had fit issues with LeBron, and he decided to wear the Soldiers uh, that particular season for the most part. But Ginobili was the guy who was really wearing the LeBron 11s that season to the point where I made the argument that it really should have been called the LeBron 11s. It should be called the Ginobili 11s because it was really his signature shoe, I think. He wore even like player exclusives in the NBA finals that were really dope, uh, like silver and gold looking colorways. And some of them were actually low key better than what LeBron had. And <laughs> so, and yeah, I, not only am I probably going to buy his rookie cards, I'm probably going to buy a jersey at some point because it's one of the cooler looking jerseys of the past 20 or so years. The number 20 for the San Antonio Spurs. Okay, moving along to news that, that I did not expect, uh, or maybe I should have expected because, you know, everything's coming back at some point. Uh, it's been 24 years since there's been a proper Streets of Rage game, uh, Streets of Rage 3 for the Sega Genesis, and now we are getting Streets of Rage 4. It's going to be developed by the same team that put together uh, 2017's Wonder Boy, uh, Dragon's Trap remake, um, which came out for the Nintendo Switch and a bunch of other platforms. I think I have the Switch version. And then it's also going to be handled by publisher.emu, which I still get um, publisher emails from there, uh, press releases. And basically, I never heard, I never saw that email about Streets of Rage 4. Thanks, guys. But anyways, uh, I'm not sure if I'm excited about this or not. Uh, looking at the trailer, it's got the same animation style as Wonder Boy, which features a lot of heavy inks. And it's a very animated style. It looks almost like a cartoon, practically. But the short gameplay that we saw in the trailer, because it features uh, Axel and Blaze, uh, it looks kind of like, yeah, it looks kind of like Streets of Rage, uh, right down to the the way that some of the enemies look. Uh, there's one particular enemy that faces your, uh, that's, you know, chases his backs towards you on the screen, um, and just some of those movements, uh, the way that Blaze jumps up and kicks, the way Axel does his special moves, which leads into his version of a Shoryuken. It looks kind of like the original games, and I kind of wonder if this is going to be similar to uh, Wonder Boy, which featured a toggle, a switch, or a button, I think, where you could just you know go back to the original graphical style, which was, I think, Sega Master System uh, on the fly. You just press a button, and boom, you're just right back into original 8-bit graphics, kind of like the Master Chief collection uh, with the original Halo where you can either play it in the original way, where the graphics are, you know, Xbox One, original Xbox quality, or you can, you know, get the bump up upgrade to Xbox One style graphics. So it's interesting. Uh, I'm going to be curious to see, like, how this looks and plays at the end of the day. Uh, but there's, there's, there's a reason why brawlers just haven't been as prevalent as they were back in the 90s. It just seems like the gameplay just became... You know, in this day and age, very repetitive and not as fun. And, you know, it had its day in the arcades, you know, with stuff like Final Fight and, you know, every brawler out there, the Simpsons arcade game, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Sunset Riders. Uh, but 
it seems like it's just a relic of that era and it just didn't evolve and it didn't become something that you know became popular in the 2000s and now you know there's a lot of retro stuff coming out retro inspired games and you know there's definitely a market for it and you know with a name like streets of rage uh, it's definitely going to get a lot of attention but i wonder if it's going to fall in the in the category of games that you know are going to last and are going to be you know looked at as a standard bear or if it's going to be just seems like a cheap uh knockoff you know, kind of cashing in on nostalgia kind of thing, kind of like those dr- Double Dragon games that came out a couple of years ago, like Double Dragon Neon, which looked okay. It looked promising, but in the end of the day, it was kind of forgettable because it was a brawler. It didn't really do nothing to uh, improve the genre or move it forward. And, you know, the other thing that I worry about with Streets of Rage is whether Yuzo Koshiro is going to actually be in charge of the soundtrack. And one of the things that people love Streets of Rage 4 is the amazing soundtrack, particularly in the second game. And Koshiro has just been an amazing composer, and I wonder if he's going to have a role in this. And if he doesn't, eh, I wonder if that's going to wonder if that's gonna affect how I feel about the game. Because at the end of the day, I like Streets of Rage, but I also love the music, and it was such an integral part of my enjoyment of that game. And if you know, I know that one of the big parts of the reasons why I love Streets of Rage is not going to be a part of this you know, Streets of Rage 4. Uh, whether I'm going to care or not. Looks like Microsoft is trying to get everybody to have an Xbox One because they just announced their uh, Xbox All Access plan, which you can go now to a Microsoft store, I guess, and sign up for it. So if you don't have an Xbox One and if you want to pick one up and you, you you don't feel like paying the $500 or maybe even the $300 that it would cost to buy, a 1X or a 1S respectively, you can head on over to those stores right now and basically pay a monthly fee uh, for two years. Uh, if you sign up for the Xbox One S plan, you get the Xbox One S and also two years of Xbox Game Pass and Xbox Live Gold for uh, $21 a month, which if you actually look at the uh, $22 a month, I apologize. I'm looking at the story right now on VentureBeat. And if you want to sign up for the Xbox One X plan, you get the One X and you still get the two years of live gold and uh, Game Pass for $35 a month. And it's an interesting uh, program because if you actually sign up for this, you're technically saving money. Although that's kind of up in the air because, you know, you're still paying for this thing over the life of two years. And, you know, console prices drop uh, pretty much every day at this point. <laughs> so... If you sign up for the Xbox One X plan, it's $35 a month over two years. So that's actually $840 total. Now, if you buy a new Xbox One X right now and then get two year subscriptions to Xbox Live Gold and Xbox Game Pass, that comes around to $860. So you're technically saving $20. So it's $840 if you sign up for a plan and you know $860 if you buy piecemeal. And that's not including tax. Now, you can look at it in you know, a couple of different ways. Yeah, you're saving 20 bucks in over the span of two years. But, you know, two years from now, that Xbox One X is probably going to be $200. And, you know, it's kind of, it seems like it might be kind of a losing proposition if you look at it over time. But at the same time, you know, this is not a plan for people who already have an Xbox One X. It's for people who don't. At the end of the day, you're trying to get the box. You're trying to get the Xbox into as many homes as possible. And this seems like you might come out ahead on this one if you're the type of person who doesn't want to pay like upfront 
the 500 bucks that it would cost to get an Xbox One X. Now, you can get the cheaper plan for the Xbox One S, which is $22 a month. But if you have a 4K TV, why not go for the X at that point? So, yeah, this is another one of Microsoft's strategies in order to get people to, you know, sign up for the Xbox One X and try to get people playing. And this seems like something for the Fortnite crowd, if I really want to, if we're trying to be real here, because Fortnite has just become this really popular game. It's free to play. A lot of people are playing it on their phones and some people are playing it on their PS4 or something like that. But if they want that, you know, best graphical experience and they don't want to, like, you know, try to buy a PC or build one themselves, the Xbox One X seems like the best alternative. And since Fortnite's free, everything transfers over. I don't know. I actually don't know if that's actually true or not. But it seems like something that gamers might want to take advantage of because it's only going to be available until December. Uh, you do have to go through a couple of hoops. Like, for example, you have to go to a Microsoft store, an actual live one, and you have to sign up for a uh, Dell Preferred account, which is weird. But, you know, no financing, you know. I mean, it's not like you're you know, paying interest or anything like that. The only catch is you kind of have to pay the upfront cost if you decide to cancel midway through the plan. But at the end of the day, you're getting an Xbox One X for slightly cheaper, I guess, right now. Uh, if you want to look at it, look at the math that way and not like two years from now. So, yeah, cool plan. Uh, I think it's something that I might have considered if I didn't buy the Xbox One X at launch. But I'm kind of happy with what I have right now. So, yeah, it's just something to look into if you're interested, if you're in the market for an Xbox One X. But, yeah, make sure you actually have like, uh, you know, a 4K TV first before you decide to jump in. Okay, so next year, 2019, uh, we are getting Detective Pikachu, a live-action movie starring Justice Smith, who was the teenager in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, basically one of the kids there, and Ryan Reynolds is going to do the voice of Pikachu, which is, what? <laughs> what? I, I'm confused. But anyways, so apparently the director has said that he wants to put real-life photorealistic versions of Pokemon in the game. And what he said was he wanted to, like, make it look like Rocket Raccoon, uh, you know, from the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So we're going to get, quote-unquote, photorealistic versions of Pikachu, Bulbasaur, Squirtle, Psyduck. That sounds great, I guess. So I guess director Rob Letterman... Uh, mentioned this during like the 2018 Pokemon World Championship and he points to like I said Rocket Raccoon and it seems like the visual effects team that's worked on stuff like uh, the Jungle Book, uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them are going to be working on Detective Pikachu. Okay so there's a couple things to uh, <laughs> to to break down and unpack here. Uh, first of all photorealistic Pokemon sounds bizarre and if I want to think about like Pikachu, like actually being like an electric mouse, that's weird to think about. And it's going to look kind of like what an electric mouse should look like. It might be frankly disturbing. <laughs> Second of all, Ryan Reynolds is doing the voice of Detective Pikachu. Well, uh, uh, okay, cool, I guess. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a Pikachu story. It's a Pokemon movie. So we're not going to get like, you know, foul mouth Deadpool style jokes out of it but you know Reynolds can probably make that work some way somehow and the third it's a talking Pikachu <laughs> like the, uh, yeah I know there's the, the, the Detective Pikachu game that came out a couple years ago on the 3DS 
And that was creepy enough and weird enough as it is. And now we're getting a live action version. Of all the things to get a live action Pokemon game, it has to be Detective Pikachu. I mean, it's like, what? <laughs> it's just something else. But yeah, I think I'm looking forward to this movie just to see how it actually turns out. I'm not sure if I'm looking forward to knowing how it actually looks at the end of the day. But I kind of just want to see like how it translates and how a Pikachu, a a basically independent Pikachu with a detective hat is going to act. I mean, like, there's a cartoon, and that seemed, like, funny, but also, like, this is going to be live action, so, yes, I'm just going to be curious to see how this all plays out, because it's just so bizarre. It's, like, live action Pokemon, and it's going to look photorealistic? Wait, what? Crazy, crazy, but if anybody can make it work, it's probably Ryan Reynolds, just because the guy's been on a roll lately with the Deadpool stuff, so... Yeah, uh, hoping for the best, I guess, with Detective Pikachu. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. All right, everybody. Hope you all enjoyed that episode of the Easyville Minute. This is Juan Martinez of the Easyville Network. Uh, find out more about the network by going to patreon.com slash Easyville. That is E-Z-Y-V-I-L-L-E. Subscribe to that. It's how we keep things going. It's how we keep the podcast ad-free. And, of course, you'll see exclusive content on there that you just won't see anywhere else. So check that out. I appreciate the people who subscribed. Thank you so much already. And thank you for listening. And I will see you at the next thing.